Hey there, it's the Jew from the Chew on This Podcast, letting you know you can leave comments, questions, and suggestions a number of ways. Reviews and comments are appreciated on iTunes and YouTube, and you can check out our daily postings on Facebook. Our Twitter feed and Instagram is at Chew on This Pod, and of course, as always, you can email us directly at chewonthispodcast at gmail.com. So there you have it, folks. Short of a bat signal or an Avengers card, there's all the ways you can let us know how big of a nerd you truly are. Enjoy and chew on this podcast. Welcome to episode 42 of Chew on This, a Nerds United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. So last weekend, Ben-Hur came out, and it kind of snuck in there because like two weeks ago, I didn't even know about it until like two weeks ago, and then I thought to myself, why would the heck would they make that? Why would they remake that? You know, it was a pretty awesome movie the way it was, um, and this was a, a huge budget movie, which apparently completely tanked. And so it kind of got us thinking, you know, like, let's look back at some of the other remakes, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And then let's, you know, maybe it'd be kind of cool to, like, remake uh, a movie that is ripe for the remaking, not something that would just be stupid remake because the first one was perfect the way it was. Um, and so, first of all, um, think about. I mean, they've done this a ton of times. They remade movies, but think about some of the ones that actually worked. What kind of movies, like, do you th- can you think of the top of your head that actually worked when they remade them? Well, my favorite, my favorite remake um, growing up, and I didn't even know it was a remake because there was no internet back then, and if somebody didn't tell you something, you didn't know it. So um, back back in the day, my favorite remake that I didn't know was a remake was uh, the Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Kurt I Russell. Remember, yep. Yeah, I remember that one. And I actually went back and watched the original, and it's so much better than the original. Yeah. Um, it's so much creepier. Um, that was one of my favorites. Uh, right off the top of my head, that was the first one. Um, that's a really good one. I didn't think about that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, like Little Shop of Horrors was a remake, too. Uh, growing up, I remember that one. The Fly, of course, uh, was a remake. Oh, that yeah. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's other ones too that are that are really good. Um, what do what do you have off the top of your head that are pretty good? Well, recently, um, Planet of the Apes, like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the Ocean's Eleven. Um, I actually watched the original one; it wasn't too bad. Um, and then uh, I guess they're going to remake Ocean's Eleven again, though, but with females, right? I heard yeah, that and, somewhere. Yeah, it's another remake, so it's a third. It'll be the second remake. <laughs> yeah, and then. Um, we talked. Uh, we've talked about Dawn of the Dead. You know Zack Snyder's uh, first movie. Um, one of my favorite movies, though, man, Three Ten to Yuma. So awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's Russell no, Crowe and Christian I've Bale. Never, I've never seen either uh, one of them. So good. And then um, 
I remember growing up, I think it was like in the late 80s, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which was a remake. Um, but this one was so funny. I mean, it had uh, Michael Caine and, and Steve Martin. It was just genius in that movie. So freaking funny. Um, but there was a lot of remakes that didn't work that and, and didn't even need to be necessarily remade. Like there was no reason to remake uh, like something like Total Recall, which if you remember, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one was just so like, I can't even explain it. It's a total eighties movie. It's just quirky and, and um, you know, lots of action and stupid one liners and stuff like that. And then they remade it with Colin Farrell and it was like completely serious and, and brooding and all that stuff. And we're like, like trying to make it ground in reality type of crap. And, I just I didn't like it, and, they, and of course there were Easter eggs and pulls from the original one, but they, I mean that movie just completely boring and fell flat for me. Um, what are some other ones that didn't work? Uh, let me think. Right off the top of my head, Psycho didn't work. Um, oh, the shot for shot remake is that the one you're yeah, talking about? It's not really yeah. a remake when you do it. I mean, I guess it's a remake, but it's really not. It's that's more like plagiarizing. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, that didn't work. Um, let's see what else didn't work off the top of my head. Um, the I'll planet you, of big... the apes, the planet of the apes. Um, the first, the, remake, the... the Tim, the Tim Burton one. Oh Tim yeah. Burton. I, I, yeah. Um, yeah. Especially like the females or the female, in that movie just looked too pristine to me. Like, you know, the humans are supposed to be like these pets, you know, pretty much or the prisoners. And they just, the, the humans just looked too, like they didn't look like they were that bad off. <laughs> they looked all looked like they had makeup on and all that stuff. Um, and plus that's Robo, when they Robocop too. Robocop. Too. Oh man. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. yeah. Clash of the Titans. I hated the remake. I, the original yeah. one is st- so close to my heart. In fact, you know, last week we did the the influential '80s movies. I completely forgot about that one. Um, that would have been right up there too, because that was right in '81 or '82, and I remember that movie very, very well, along with the Muppet movie. But I think Muppet movie <laughs> didn't quite quite hit '80. I don't remember. But um, what else? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I that Gene Wilder one still. You know, I love so much, you know, and the the new creepy one with uh, Jack Sparrow. I didn't like that one as much. I don't know. It just didn't capture the fun. It was just kind of, eh, you know, copycat. Uh, the horror remakes, too, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and Halloween. Wasn't really a big all, fan of Nightmare on Elm all Street. All terrible. One. Yeah, they're trying to bring that back, too, and I can't remember they were announcing somebody that they wanted to, or somebody wanted to play Freddy Krueger, some big name guy. And I can't remember who it was now, but yeah, the remake of that was no good. Um, even though I like that actor, um, who was, uh, that was the guy that played Rorschach in Watchmen. Jackie Earl, something Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Good actor, yeah. but yeah, he's in a uh, preacher. Yeah. It was just kind of a waste. Oh, uh, there was another uh, one. Uh, the city of angels was a remake. Oh, was, was it? Po- yeah, that was popular because of the Goo Goo Dolls song. Um, ended up being oh. way better than the movie because I remember watching the movie. Have you have you seen City of Angels? Was that the one with Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan? Yeah, yeah, and she fucking dies because she decides to like ride downhill on a fucking bike with her and eyes close closed. her eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really smart. I and mean, she's a doctor too, dumbass. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I didn't like that movie. You're right. The Alanis Morissette song was was bigger than that movie. You're right. That was a well, the, big hit. Well, I was thinking the Goo Goo Dolls song, actually. Oh, it was the Google Do- Goo Goo Dolls song in that as well? Yeah. yeah oh, I just remember Alanis Morissette's Unforgiven. Um, I just remember that being a pretty big song um, as well. <laughs> That's too funny. But so, so, the, so for us, like we we thought it would be a a good idea to see like what movie from you know back in the eighties. Ironically, since we just did a eighties uh, podcast, that what would be good um, from our childhood or something that we know that would be ripe for a remake, upgrade the story with the better technology, and uh, and I came up with the Last Starfighter. Uh, yes. I don't know how many of our listeners are going to actually remember this movie. But or if they've it, even seen it, yeah, yeah, or even heard of it. Um, but if you're around our age, you you have seen it or heard it, heard of it. Um, you might not like it as much as I probably did because I watched it all the time on HBO. Um, but it's it's important in movie making history because it's basically the first time that CGI was used. Um, there were computer graphics beforehand, but the I part is the integration, and this was the first time that computer graphics. Um, was used heavily integrated with live actors. Right. So that's why it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, because I remember um, when Tron came out, that was a big deal. Um, and then this movie came out, and it was big. And then it wasn't until, and we've talked about this before, but it wasn't until like young Sherlock Holmes when CGI actually started to look you know, pretty real up, up against the, the actors. And then it kind of went from there. I think James Cameron kind of used it a lot in, in – what was that? The underwater movie, um, the abyss, the abyss, and then he used it in Terminator Two, and then but it was Jurassic Park that kind of sealed the deal. Um, young Sherlock was important because Young Sherlock is actually what brought Star Wars back. When Lucas actually saw what um, ILM did with Young Sherlock, he thought, okay, maybe the technology is caught up now. So that was a big oh, deal well, for him. yeah. It, it was a pretty big deal. Um, and then after Jurassic Park, like, I think that's when he started, you know, remake doing, redoing the, uh, um, redoing the original trilogy, you know, special editions, which everyone right. hates. <laughs> um, but anyway, which is so weird, dude, isn't it? It's almost 20 years ago when those came out. Can you believe that? And it's almost 20. Jesus. Yeah. Next year will be 20 years when those things came out. And now we're looking at 40 years since a new hope came out next year. Which is insane. Um, it's it's a good time to be alive right now. Um, so when we came up with the last Starfighter, we were like, "Well, okay, well, we're just not going to list the name of the movie and then just end the podcast." So <laughs> we decided, like, all right, well, what would we do um, from the plot, from the director to the to the actors? Who would we, you know, play in our movie? What would we change? So this is our first ever chew on this remakes the last starfighter so it might be an ongoing segment for us um bj you're gonna go first and let me know how you change the story change the characters or whatever you're gonna give me your director and your casting so yeah you start um, with so, your last starfighter so before before we dive completely oh, right. into we it we gotta do the recap we, we should case. talk yeah we should talk a little bit about the movie um so it came out like in what 84 something like that um yeah. And you've seen it like a million times. I think I think the last time I saw it, I swear to God, it was like 20 years ago. And so I was really struggling to try to remember some of the, the major things that happened. So I actually went ahead and rewatched it. They, they released a 25-year uh, edition a few years ago. 
Um, so I was able to kind of track that down and I watched it, um, in HD, which was kind of cool. And, uh, boy, this movie, I mean, it is ripe for the remaking. I mean, they could make a movie or like a TV series out of this for sure, because there's so many elements in it that would work. Um, as a movie in the eighties, you know, it, it, when you watch this thing, it is a total eighties movie. I mean, it, it mimics so many things that happened in the eighties. But it's not really a great movie. It's a great premise, but like not like they had something great and they just couldn't figure out how to kind of make it work. And so Vic and I, you know, we, we decided to like let's uh, let's try and see what how we could remake it for today's you know age. Um, so let's go over. You know this movie backwards and forwards. So why don't you kind of give? Um, and I'm not even going to say spoilers. Well, I just did, but because it's old. So <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> really watched old. it too bad, you know, or just shut this podcast off and go watch it. But we're going to spoil the shit out of it real quick. I mean, we're not going to do a full on review. Just kind of just go over the main points and tell what this movie's about. Right. So basically this guy is in a trailer park. He's not, I don't I want to say popular or whatever. He's kind of in a rut. Um, and that basically doesn't have too much premise on anything. <laughs> just, that, <laughs> just that this arcade game is the, is is there at this um, this trailer park park, and he's apparently pretty good at it. And so, I mean, just saying this out loud is just sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, so apparently, the the arcade game is is a, is a test to see who could actually fly a starfighter. Um, and see who the best is. So this guy called Centauri recruits them based on what you, you know, how you would score in a video game if you actually beat the video game. And that's what happens here. And he recruits him to fight for the Great Frontier um, against the Kodan Armada. And that's the gist of the movie without going into too much detail. And there's a lot of things <laughs> that I could explain that don't make that any more sense. It, it is basically <laughs> that's it. <laughs> like why it's a, why it's a nostalgia for for me when I watched it, or for any kid in the '80s growing up and watching it, it was like, oh shit, I could play an arcade game and might get recruited to you know go into space. But as <laughs> as, a, as an adult, you're like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard in my life. Like just because I played uh, just because I played like Gran Turismo and I'm like 14 years old. Doesn't mean that I can go out and fucking drive NASCAR like just because I, <laughs> I, I was really good at Gran Turismo. So, so the premise is pretty ridiculous. A little off topic, but have you ever like I I remember I got Grand Theft Auto Five a couple of years ago and I played it for hours on end and then finally left the house and got in my car and I felt like I was going to crash into things. I felt like <laughs> driving over put people like you know yeah, like beat avoid- up hookers. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, just driving that those cars in that game for so long, you just you get all like out of whack. Um, I'm okay, sure we so, could go into a little bit more detail of the last Starfire, but that's basically the gist. This guy gets recruited from an arcade game to try to defend this this the universe or the the solar system or whatever. That's basically it. That's how right. he, that's the whole movie basically. Yeah, um, and there's there's some um, there's some father and son issues in it between aliens and there's um, the alien that recruits him, you know, and then there's is uh, basically like a used his car partner salesman. who's a lizard guy. Yeah, <laughs> I thought well, he I mean, more like, like a if turtle. 
Well, he did look more like a turtle, or like close to like Bosk, what Bosk looks like, or he's like a combination of Bosk from Empire Strikes Back and the guy in Enemy Mine. He's yes. kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and again, oh man, Enemy Mine is such a great film as well. But um, so anyway, we decided we're both going to re- what would we do to remake this movie for today's uh, age? And so um, I'm going to go first. I actually had a really tough time trying to remake this thing um, because, uh, for, well, for one, I don't have a lot of time. But number two, it's it's real man. It's been a long time since I sat down and just written something and really thought about something. And um, and if I had more time, I'd probably really get into depth. But so basically, I changed a few things. I made the main character a uh, a girl instead of a boy. Um, and I had like if someone I would have to direct this thing, I would say like a Robert Zemeckis type or Robert Zemeckis. OK. And uh, or maybe even Robert Rodriguez because he's good with kids. Um, so I don't really have any casting ideas for young Alex or young uh, Xavier, which would be uh, her be- not her friend, but like a nemesis within her trailer park. I started in a trailer park as well because I thought oh, that's great because like that's a good place for nobody's to kind of live and like they're they have these hopes and dreams and and they're trying to get out of there i think that's a great premise so i kept that the same um so basically i had the movie kind of start in space and you guys out there are probably getting you too vic are probably gonna hear parallels on on a lot of different movies because i really did borrow from a lot of different movies but who doesn't do that anymore you know so I start this thing up in space and essentially there's a spaceship and it's, it flies around the universe and it drops these simulators, not a video game, drops simulators onto planets for people to discover and play. And then if they win a probe, you know, kind of like Wally, you know, the ship just shows up and sucks you up and goes, you know, so like the ship shows up, we'll suck you up and take you to, to the command center and, and then, you know, start training you to fly these, the gun stars or the ships. So there's the ship going along and it, it, it's got one simulator left to drop off, but not before it gets almost captured. Like there's a huger ship following it kind of like in the beginning of a new hope and it's following it and it's shooting them. And so they jettison the simulator at the last minute before they explode and that simulator gets thrown, you know, through space, hurled through space. Eventually it comes to earth and lands in the middle of the desert, you know, like in this and creates a big pit. So it just falls in this, you know, in this makes this big hole. So, and then there, there it lays. And then it kind of moves over to the trailer park that's nearby or a reservation, I guess, if you will. And, uh, there's a young girl and, um, and then there's a young boy, um, and they're 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 not friends. Uh, they just happen to live in the same trailer park. And he tortures her every chance he gets. And she kind of catches him doing something that upsets her. And she chases him. And they're running through the desert. And they both fall into this hole. And they come across the simulator. And of course, you know, they're just staring at it. And there's a blinking light. And the girl pushes the blinking light, or the, maybe the boy. Well, the girl pushes it. And then it comes to life. And it says, you know. It has this speech, you know, and so she sits in the cockpit and starts flying it and she's like kicking butt and doing like really, really well. And the boy 
pushes her out of the way at the last minute and jumps in it and like defeats the game at the last second. And then the probe comes and picks him up and sucks him away. And she's freaking out. You know, she doesn't know what just happened because you just saw this boy get sucked up into the, into space. So she climbs out of the hole and goes, gets away from it, never tells anybody. It never goes back to that hole. And then it like goes 10 or 15 years later and uh, she's, you know, older and she's um, still in the reservation. Her mom had died and now she's taking care of her sick dad. And then he finally passes away. And so she's kind of sitting on the hillside, kind of like Luke looking up at the two sons, you know, um, she's kind of looking there at, at the moon and, and then she notices like this flashing light way off in the distance. And then, so she goes there and it's the simulator again. And she goes, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So she climbs down in the hole and she remembers the boy being sucked up and she thinks, well, I have nothing left on this earth that I care about anymore. And so she plays the simulator, beats it and then gets sucked up. So that's essentially like how I began it. And then so it's already different than the movie because the movie she you know the boy gets recruited uh, by a guy named Centauri, but I got rid of all that stuff and just had her get sucked up there. But when she when she shows up, she's kind of unconscious and she gets woken up and she stares at this lizard guy and he's talking to her in this like garbly like gibberish language and she can't understand. So like he grabs her arm and injects her with this thing, and the next thing you know, you know his speech becomes. Um, clear to her and then she's able to communicate with them. So she figures out that it's a, you know, like, Oh, it's, and I think that happens in the movie as well. Like he gets injected with something or he gets something that helps him understand, like he can communicate with everybody around him so she can communicate with him. And he basically tells her what's been, what's going on. There's an intergalactic war and that she's been chosen based on, she beat the simulation. Um, and also there's a whole, like, I didn't go into detail, but like, he doesn't know, you know, he's never seen her species before and all that stuff. And there's a whole kind of humorous thing there. And she, she, he asks her her name and she says Alex and she asks him his. And it's this long, huge name. And she just kind of truncates it to one to four letters. And he's like, OK, yeah, you can call me that. And so he, he tells her the history of what's been going on and um says, you know, get some rest or whatever. And the next day she's woken by these like large sirens and you come to find out that the war has come close to that base and they're destroying the base and she barely escapes with Grig is his name. Uh, it's the same name in the, in the original movie. And they're able to, um, they, they escape, you know, on this, uh, ship, a Gunstar, And, uh, and, uh, well, actually I think they escape on a transport and there's all these gun stars kind of defending them, but a lot of them get blown, blown up and they jump into hyperspace. And anyway, there's some training going on. Greg trains are on the, on the gun star. Um, th the main bad guy's name is Zer, and, uh, he's, you know, kind of relentless. He's just came into power five years prior. And so that's why they were seeking, you know, trying to seek out starfighters again because he had destroyed most of them. And so that's why she's brought there. So she's being trained. Um, there's another huge battle where everybody dies pretty much except for them. And, but they take off just in time. And they also got information that there's a, a secret weapon that they could attach to their ship. So they're seeking that out and they find, they go to this planet and they find the guy that has the secret weapon. And just as they were about to get it, Zer, you know, shows up 
and kidnaps them and brings them up to his ship and steals the the weapon um, and inserts it onto the gun star that they that they had you know taken. So now Zer has a gun star and puts the weapon, installs it, and all that stuff, and <clears throat> reveals himself to her. And, and basically, he's the young boy that she knew back at the reservation. He had been sucked up prior, but he wasn't killed. He was like basically put into slavery and tortured. And, and then eventually he starts working for them and then he rises through the ranks and then becomes the leader. And so there's kind of this rivalry already. And now there's this big rivalry between them. And, and so at the, basically what then happens is she's able to escape and take Greg with her and they get on the ship and take off. And Zer sends his, you know, army after them, but they get defeated pretty easily with, because of the weapon. So Zer says, fine, I'm going to have to do this myself. And he gets in his ship and flies out and they have this huge battle. Grig is killed. Um, she's able to destroy Zer at the last second before pretty much the weapons useless now. And the ship's like, you know, barely working and some other, you know, um, people from the Armada, from really far away show up, you know, they had pretty much, they had hidden the families away and they, they show up and they greet her and they said, Oh, we've come back because you've defeated Zer. Now we can rebuild our society and all that stuff. And, and they said, we would love for you to be our leader. And she says, she declines and says, no, I want to go back to earth and, and start my life. And so they take her back to earth um, and they go back to space, but not before leaving behind like a lapel thing that, that they all wear. And, I think unbeknownst to her, she didn't know really what it was. And then like at the very end of the movie, uh, it kind of blinks, it blinks at her and the, and the lapel glows in her eyes. So you know that at some point she's going to be summoned again and maybe there's a sequel in the works. I don't know. Something like that. So anyway, that's kind of like my movie in a nutshell. Again, I I didn't want to do a bunch of details, just kind of go roughly over it. But like if that were to be remade like my way, there would be a lot of humor injected into it, a lot of battles. Um, I like the idea of going to different planets this time because the original movie, they're just in space and like in a in a space station at one point and then like in space and that's it. And then you never really see Zer and the main character like actually fight against each other. It's just it's just kind of like, I don't know, a cat and mouse game throughout the movie and and. It's I don't know. I think I would like to see more battles and I would like to see a ground, you know, going to another planets and and then um, and then having it end to where I guess you could have Zer live so that you could do another plot thing or have another threat, you know, kind of in the works somewhere thrown in there. But, you know, that's what a lot of movies do these days is they look ahead to other movies. They don't really pay attention to the movie they're making. So I didn't want to, like, do that. But. Um, basically all you need to see is a little pal flashing to kind of say like, Hey, we might need you to come back at some point. And, uh, that's my last Starfighter remake in a nutshell. There you go. <laughs> so I, I, I went a little overboard. Um, <laughs> I think yours is like one page, one, one and a half pages. I'm like, Word. something like that. I think like two, two pages tops. Mine's fucking 15. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's 15 pages because, like, I guess it was more of a a 
like one of my movies growing up more so than yours because I actually hadn't seen this movie in a really long time, but I had seen it so much growing up. I didn't need to. I like, I uh, knew yeah. it. I, I just, I know it inside and out. Um, so I'll, I'll start first with, uh, the director oh. and the cast. Oh, there was one thing though, before we get into that, um, in the recap, we forgot to mention, there's this kind of plot point where because Alex goes out into space and he's got family back home they decide the the director decides or the writers decide to clone him and leave a clone back home so that he could be away so that there isn't any kind of like not like you know it's now that i think about it that's so dumb because it what are they supposed to do like if they didn't put a clone there they would just go oh our son has been you know cap like kidnapped or dead or he ran away or something like that. And then like, that's the end of it. But no, you put a clone there and it draws even more suspicion. And, and then eventually they find out it's a clone because, you know, um, just the way it's behaving. And so that was a really weird plot point that they did in the movie, which I completely left out. I'm like, I didn't want to do no clones. Yeah. Um, I took that. I took that out as my, I took that out of mine as well. It was kind of dumb. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for my director, I chose uh, John Favreau. Um, oh, that's a great choice. Um, I just the the working with uh, the technology that would be needed to make this movie, plus um, the I don't know, just the the whole setup. I just pictured Favreau. I just pictured Iron Man. Well, especially as moved. we did Zathura, Iron Man, right. and right. and now Jungle Book. Yeah, he's amazing. I just figured, like, I just thought he had the right tone for the movie. Um, not too serious, not too lighthearted, just somewhere in between. Uh, my Alex um, is Asa Butterfield from Ender's Game. Oh, that's a good um, one. Who was also in the running for Spider-Man at one point in time. Uh, my Maggie is Amanda Stenberg. Um, she was most famously in uh, the Hunger Games, and she's also been in a few episodes of uh, Sleepy Hollow, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know who that is. Um, let's see. Uh, Centauri, I, I chose John Cho for it. Enduran, oh, that's a good one. Enduran, I chose Michael Keaton. Zor, oh, God. I took, uh, I took, I chose uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I want to see R- this movie. Greg, I did uh, Charles S. Dutton. Um, I'm not sure a lot of people might know who that is, but that's uh, he was in Alien 3, um, and he also had his own TV show, Rock. And I just need somebody. What a pull. I haven't seen that dude do anything in a while, and he, he's a good actor. He's got I a very distinguishable somebody, voice, too. I needed somebody who could be funny but serious and a leader at the same time. And just just watching Rock and Alien 3... Um, gave me all that, and plus, I didn't want to choose like Idris Elba because he's basically been in everything. Mm-hmm. And then Lord Krill, I chose uh, Brian Cranston uh, for it. Oh, that's a good one too. So I'm because I went so much in depth. I'm I'm pretty. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to do. Um. Like scene for no, just, scene or anything like that. Just do uh, um, do your basic plot. Like what 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 are some similarities and what what kind of things would you remake? So for me, um, for me, the similarities are instead of an arcade game because nobody really goes to arcades anymore unless you go to Dave and Buster's. 
which I would not want to do that. Um, I, I chose uh, con- console games, so I kept the concept. Uh, console games are still pretty popular, so and so are gaming leagues. So I decided to change that part of it and use gaming leagues as a way of recruiting um, people or kids or just anybody to be able to do this. The difference is, is that in, in the original movie, he basically just shows up, gets in a gun star, and just starts fighting. There's no training involved whatsoever. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing. He just fucking just goes into the ship and just after shooting like five or six drones, uh, targeting drones, he 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 can take down an entire armada. So that just goes to show you like, how <laughs> piss poor the Kodan army actually was. So in this one, in this one, there is like a flight simulator that he he is training with. Um, I decided to take uh, his character and kind of give him a, a, a darker pass. So he basically is the number one gamer in the world. And right before the championship game, he's around 17. He, um, his father gets really sick and dies and he backs out of everything. He backs out of the gaming tournament. He backs out of the, he backs out of the college that he was going to go to some Ivy league school where he was like, going to be like a mechanical engineer or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's smart too. So that was like all these little things that I needed him to have some kind of uh, knowledge of anything that he wasn't just some guy in a trailer park that all of a sudden knew how to fly a starfighter pilot. Right. pilot. <laughs> so I needed something to show that he was, he's like, like smart a really poor Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so he becomes reclusive because he has to help his family out. I kept the whole love interest with Maggie there. Um, and, but once he leaves Earth, there's no drone or there's no uh, there's no beta unit. I think they call them beta um, mm-hmm. in in the in the original. There's nothing like that. Once he's gone, he's gone. So uh, did you did you fly him in a hearst all the way through no, space? No, <laughs> he uh, he thinks so. Basically, what happens is Centauri goes to his uh, apartment. I didn't put it in a trailer park. I put it in an apartment, and um, he asks he he. Per- Centauri is pretending to be a recruiter for the Ivy League school that he he had applied to a while back and wanted to know why he hadn't applied and offered him a full ride and everything would be taken care of if he would go with him like the next day to the school. So it would make more sense because in the original version, Centauri really is like a like a used car salesman basically. Yeah. And it seems really weird that the, the army, the, the frontier army was allowing this like used car salesman to recruit like all these elite fighter pilots based on a video (laughs) game. So it didn't really make sense. So, um, I used Centauri and I changed him from a, I changed him from a, um, from a used car salesman type person to an actual general in the army or in the, in the, uh, in the frontier now army. was he now was he humanoid was he discussed because like centauri in the movie is like he's a human but he's really not he's like that's just a disguise it's a human he i, I it didn't really matter to me it, it, okay. it honestly didn't matter like i didn't go through the whole death thing too either um <clears throat> but why he decides to do this and using this is because the the simulator is almost the same as the the video games that all these kids are playing or all these people are playing Okay. So it it was a way of actually recruiting actually the best of the best using a tournament instead of like dropping arcade games all over Earth. <laughs> so he where, would only recruit one from? player. Yeah, he would only yeah. recruit one instead of like however many beat the game. And and again, the reason why he did it was because it was the 
they so what happened there the background is is that there was a huge war and the Kodan army was defeated and by Enderan who becomes the emperor and the son who is Zur and Zur is killed in the in in the final battle supposedly and, yeah and Enderan becomes the emperor of the great frontier and because they basically put up this giant force field around all the peaceful systems they don't think that they need a giant army anymore like they did in the past so they basically decommission almost all of the gunstar ships there's still like there's still fighter ships out there but nothing like these elite gunstar ships mm. so when when the codan army all of a sudden becomes more powerful and their ships all of a sudden resemble their gunstar ships they need to recruit more fighter pilots or you know uh, gunstar uh, pilots and Centauri comes up with this idea of taking the simulator, the the electronics, of the, the the screen or the HUD of the simulator, and putting it into a video game, and trying to pay attention to these like gaming leagues, basically. Right. So I kept gotcha. I kept the cheese factor in that sense. I tried to make it I tried to make it more reasonable, even though like saying it out loud right now, it's still a little ridiculous <laughs> that you would recruit like fighter pilots based on a video game. Um. But I tried to make it more elite, I guess. So anyway, even though, so what ends up happening is you find out later on that when Alex pulls out of the tournament, this other guy ends up winning the tournament. Centauri actually recruits him, and he is responsible for um, not protecting Griggs' home planet in Mm -hmm. Kodan's, uh, when Kodan comes back into power, and his planet is basically destroyed, and there's only a handful of Griggs-like alien species left. So the original Starfighter pilot that was recruited from Earth was supposed to be Alex, but it ended up being the other guy who won the championship when Alex pulled out. Right. So, so he, he failed. Right. So Centauri finds that he finds out that Alex actually pulled out and had this like ridiculous record. And it was him that was supposed to win the thing. So that's why he goes back to Earth to try to find Alex. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that's cool. Yeah, cool. So basically, Greg is a, a big dick in this, and not in not like in the um, <laughs> not in the original where he's just like a big goofball almost, like not like yeah. badass. Well, like it, it's Gossett a little Jr. serious because his planet was blown up, you know, like Spock's, you know. So he's upset, right? But he's upset also because now they're bringing another human in to uh, become a uh, you know a starfighter pilot. And oh, that's a good. So one. it like has the tension, has like right. tension, and while he's training him, he's like pushing him hard and all that stuff. So the the way the way Centauri, I believe, or the way uh, Centauri gets Alex to finally fight in the original is the the beta unit is killed or whatever or something like that. An alien attack. Well, the, the, a bounty a bounty hunter comes down and almost right. and, uh, almost kills him. So like he's like, oh, yeah. So know, he, that's how he that's how he gets to take off. In my version, <clears throat> when he finds out, like. When he finds out that you know he's in space because I actually take a they take a private jet and he thinks that the private jet is actually going to to the Ivy League school, um, the jet actually takes off into space. And what Centauri tells him is that, or actually Enderon tells him that they intercepted a, a, um, the spies in the Kodan army they, that they had planted there. Find out that in order for Kodan to continue this war, they need to replenish their their resources. Mm-hmm. And the most defenseless, the most defenseless planet that would give them least resistance is Earth, with the most resources. 
So they're actually on their way. The Conan arm is actually on the way to Earth to destroy it and reap, like, take all of its resources. And that's how Alex decides to, and that's why Alex decides to do it, um, to, to stay and fight. Gotcha. Instead of, instead of like the whole back and forth, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay. An alien's here. I'm going to do it now. Right. Right. Which that, um, that, again, that's just a waste of time when they do stuff like that. Yeah. It was really difficult. Like, doing something like this because like I had never done it before and trying to figure out like a funny story is like when I was like casting this casting this movie and ironically like we're all about diversity I casted nothing but white people in the beginning of this <laughs> I you know I I, <laughs> I did that too and then I consciously kind of went back and and thought to myself okay who would I have and I I think I put you know Michael G Michael B Jordan as Xavier or he turns it as Zer and then I like bounce back and forth between like, you know, Emma Stone or the girl that was in Ex Machina, and like you know, just kind of like just drive going all over the place. Um, I, I settled on Amelia Clark, who's Daenerys um, in um, in Game of Thrones, and then um, of course I I just because I couldn't think of an actor to be Greg, I just immediately said Idris Elba. But you made a good point that he's done a lot of. Um, acting you know under makeup and animation all that stuff so he's done all that stuff so we need someone different um so right, yeah so once once alex decides to once alex decides to fight he actually gets some kind of training which doesn't happen in the original no um, that always bothered me how just because you're playing a video game doesn't mean you can get in an actual ship and start flying it around so that always like I was uh, even at a young kid. I was like, "That this doesn't make any sense." Like, he needs some so, sort of formal training. So he's fine. He's he's doing the simulators, and it's only like about a week that he's actually in the simulator. But he starts remembering, like, and because what what how he was playing the game. Like, he bought an actual like control pad that mimicked the cockpit, but he didn't know that it mimicked the cockpit. He just thought it was really cool. So he'd always played the game kind of like in the cockpit somehow. Cause you know how, like when you, you there's like a Gran Turismo, like, yeah, like the, steering the, the wheel joystick. Like that. So basically yeah. the Kodan put, um, the joystick that matched the gun star in Best Buy, <laughs> hoping one day he would buy it. <laughs> so, well, not the Kodan, the, uh, the frontier, uh, the frontier, the star league. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so he's training and you know he's he's training and he's starting to get more comfortable with everything. And uh what ends up happening is during one of the training missions he or training sessions uh his the Starfighter Academy is attacked. So what ends up happening is is the Emperor Enderin who's the Emperor of the Frontier, he sends like 90% of his forces to intercept the Kodan army which is uh in my version they're going to intercept them and, and at Saturn. Um, so all of them are waiting there. Nobody shows up. And then all of a sudden, the Starfighter Academy is attacked. So what you find out is, is that Zor, like nobody knows that Zor, everybody thinks Zor is dead, but he's actually been alive this whole time. And he knew about the spy. And he leaked the information that they were going to go to Earth. But instead, he actually wanted to destroy um, the training facility, the Starfighter Academy. And... Uh, like make it make a major blow to to the frontier doing it that mm -hmm. way so they're they're basically there's there's starfighters there but there's only two gun starships 
uh, left because of the whole peace thing for 30 years. There's only two left. And one of them gets destroyed, and Gunstar 1 is the only one that survives. And Alex uh, goes in and, um, you know, he goes in and uh, takes off and tries to fight the Kodan army. So what, or, or, or Armada, I should say. So mm-hmm. one of the other things that was really bothering me in the beginning of the original movie was that it, it's literally just Alex and Greg in one ship against the entire Armada. But the problem with the word Armada is, is you need more than 20 ships. Right. It's usually 500,000, whatever. Yeah, so um, he only fights like 20-something ships and somehow wins the entire battle. So in my version, the star pi- the, the starfighters there are actually fighting. They're like outnumbered 10 to 1 or something like that. But they're still fighting. There's a lot of people fighting. So it, it's more believable, I guess, in this really unbelievable movie so far. But, <laughs> but anyway, so so Alex gets in the the, the most elite ship that that's left or um, that was ever made, which is the Gunstar One, and um, he goes out and he starts, you know, turning the tide um, because before then, for every one ship that they would destroy of the Kodan Army, five of the frontier ships would have been destroyed. So he's starting to turn the tide, and I needed Zor to actually get off of his ass, unlike in the original when he doesn't do shit other than when he escapes out of the escape pod. Yeah. So I needed him to get out of the ship and fly in his own Gunstar ship. So that's what ends up happening because that's he realized I, I had that happening too. He sees that he sees the Gunstar one ship reminding him of his father's ship, and he he goes out and fights uh, Alex. What I forgot to mention was that the whole motivation is for thirty for the thirty years of peace when every when when Enderan thought his son was dead, Zora actually was tortured the entire time, and it is until he some, because of the torture and the torment and the pain that he's been through in his mind, he feels like the, his father and the entire frontier had deserted him. So he starts seeking revenge, and he basically turns the he turns around to the Kodan people and says like, "Hey." If you let me live, here's how you can bypass the frontier shields and get to the academy and all this stuff. Um, that's his motivation. In the in the original uh, movie, I don't think that the motivation was really a big deal. He just no, he was a little punk bitch who's mad yeah, at his daddy. So, yeah, so I well, I needed the mad at daddy thing, but like being mad at daddy doesn't mean you destroy an entire civilization. It wasn't like <laughs> it, I didn't buy it. So I needed like him to go through some serious shit. Like really mm-hmm. bad stuff, in order to like have this like psychotic break. So that's basically what happens. So so as- so, so in your like in your movie, it's like a it's almost like a demolition man. Like there hasn't been any violence or killing or anything in many years because they've they've brought peace. And then, but in the background, there's somebody. Well, it's not of- to the, it's not to the like ridiculous extent as Demolition Man because they're they're still an army. They're still like. They're still right. starfighter ships, but but they haven't fought like, in so long that right. they, they can't would really... they don't it would be like our army, but we don't have any Navy SEALs or we don't have any Rangers. Okay, no, so no, like, like the, spy, that, that program is like dis, disbanded basically because there's gotcha. no need for it um, because the Kodan army was destroyed. They're behind this giant force field or shield, or whatever, which is what the Great Frontier actually is, and they don't see a reason for it. They've just known absolute peace for you know, 30 something years. I bet they're going to think twice now. They're <laughs> yeah. going to be like, we've, we better like train our people and, and, um, and all that good stuff. No, that's cool. I mean, I, I like, uh, 
some of the changes that you made because the the movie, you know, again, folks, like if you've seen the movie, you haven't seen it, whatever, it, it's cheesy. I mean, it's completely schlocky and cheesy movie. I mean, it's it's total 80s and it reminds me of all the other 80s movies that happened around it and all that stuff. Um, but there's just a lot like when you're watching it going like, oh, like this would be really cool if they did this or this. But they just didn't have the budget. You know, it was just a very low budget movie, but it had a really good premise. So I, I imagine if they could pump $75 million into this thing, it would be a really cool movie and get some really good writers and a good director. And I think it's, it's ripe. It's ripe for a, new, for a, for a franchise, I think. Well, I've got I to finish the story first because you cut me off before I finish the action. Oh, okay. Story. Go ahead. <laughs> so they end up fighting and um, Zur and Alex, Alex realizes – yeah, yeah, Zur and Alex start fighting and, and – and Alex realizes that this guy's better than he's ever played before or fought before or whatever. And there's this move that I tease in the very beginning of the movie that he fails miserably at because, you know, you get like lives in video games. Mm-hmm. So there's this like maneuver that he does in the open, one of the opening shots of the movie and he loses one of his lives. And basically what ends up happening is he realizes that the ship that he's in now is faster and quicker. And if you remember in the, um, in the movie, the the Gunstar Gunner chair rotates individually, separately from the ship itself. But at the same time, he's still flying the ship. Yeah. So yeah. So what I did was I made sure that that doesn't happen unless you're actually in Gunstar One. Like all the other Gunstar ships, stay stay static. Stay Gunstar, static. Right. Gunstar One is the only ship that has the the rotation in the, in the cockpit. So what he realizes in the middle of the fl- in the middle of fighting Zor is that he can actually do this banking maneuver and actually turn the guns around at the same time when he couldn't do that before. Oh. So, so I tease that like in the very beginning of the movie, well, foreshadowing. So and he fucking to... he just basically dies in the, in the game, and right. he comes back and he wins. But in in this version, he realizes that he can actually pull this maneuver off. So he pulls the maneuver off, but the other thing also was like I had to figure out how to destroy the quote unquote armada with one ship. So I hate the name Death Blossom because it's just so stupid, mm-hmm. right? So I I tease that there's a special weapon on the ship, and anybody who's watched the movie, the original, would know like that's Death Blossom. But I don't let it be said in the movie. Basically, it's I, such I, a I, weird I pulled this. Name. Yeah, I pulled. I pulled the Captain America Civil War, not Civil War, sorry. Yeah, Civil War. Was it Civil War? No, it wasn't Which Civil one? War. It was, it was Avengers sure? 2. Avengers 2. So okay. it, there's the scene where at the very end when Captain America is about to say Avengers Assemble, but the yes. scene cuts off. So what ends up happening is is um, he's about to – Greg is about to answer him about what the what the weapon is called, and he gets to part where he says – Death Bloss, and that's when Zor actually fires on the ship. And nice. Like, and you don't actually hear the word Death Blossom. I so know. Anyway. I, was, I always said Turd Blossom. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so as he as he makes this maneuver and turns the the gunner ship or the gunner cockpit around so he can fire and turn at the same time, as soon as he fires on Zor, Zor's ship is like almost completely dismantled but not destroyed, and he kind of ducks behind the main command ship of the Conan army. And and he seeks like refugee behind it, like using the sh- the main ship as a shield. Oh, and cool. that's so he actually so Alex, as he turns around and does this 
and sees that Zur's ship is about to duck behind the, the, the command ship, he tells Grig now, fire the whatever. He doesn't know what it is because I didn't want the word Death Blossom said in the movie. <laughs> so he fires it, right? And basically what ends up happening is um, the lasers and missiles fire in all direction, but the cockpit doesn't move because I, I never liked that that he basically would just throw up <laughs> like from, <laughs> from that thing moving the way it does. So he, it's it's just missiles and, and everything is being fired and destroyed at the same time. And, and the way that it's being done, it basically destroys the the, sh- uh, the command ship. And Zor, because he was, flew behind the command ship, is able to escape almost like Darth Vader does in A New Hope while the Death Star is being blown up. So I pulled that nice. out. So that's that's how the ending fight uh like is is done or the the main battle and then uh he basically you know he doesn't have that giant parade or whatever that giant party like in return of the jedi and the end of starfighter last starfighter happens that doesn't happen right. um he's basically back at the hangar um almost like at a new hope when they come back after the death star is destroyed there's no metal scene nothing like that basically it ends with centauri asking what's next for the last starfighter um and alex smiles and it fades it fades to black and then you see gunstar one heading towards uh the moon and behind the moon is earth he's gonna go back oh sweet Um, they should do like you should do like a post-credit scene or something (laughs) like an end credit scene i have alex i have alex centauri like zerf Flying through have, air, flying through space, like I have uh, maybe like Alex, Alex, Zer, no, Alex, Centauri, and Greg are eating shawarma. <laughs> <laughs> or Alex and Maggie are, you know, bumping uglies against the wall or something. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so much with more Greg that I probably looking left. through the window. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more that I probably left out of this. I'm, I'm gonna try to find a way to actually release this. Um, either on our Facebook, um, probably, or I'll, I'll like probably, I think it can hold 15 pages of text, but I'm not sure it can. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> you could just open up a WordPress and just throw it up on there. You know, you could yeah, I've got to find there. a way to, to, to get it out there, but I, I wrote 15 pages of this thing and I'm kind of curious to see what people, um, I, I'm more afraid of, of, uh, people who don't read it and just, and start trolling it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it is the internet. I mean, that's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to get people that are like, Oh, I dig that movie. And Oh, cool. You did a good job. Or you're going to be like, Oh, you're such a hack or whatever. I it mean, it was really difficult doing this shit. Cause like we, we, we constantly talk about like plot holes and stuff like that. So as I was writing this thing, I remember, Oh wait, I can't do that because I did this before. And instead of doing what, like, Zack Snyder does and says, fuck it, I'm just going to keep, you know, filming this. I went back and fixed the part. Or the go beginning. against character, you know, go against yeah, character I went back, or something like that. I went back in the beginning, like, I, I fixed a lot of things, because, like, when, as as I was writing the ending, I couldn't figure out how to do, like, the final battle and, like, what maneuver he would do. And, like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if I teased it in the beginning, but I didn't. I was like, oh, well, let me tease it in the beginning. So I went back to a scene in the beginning of the movie where he's fighting this, he's playing a video game and, and you know, fighting this kid in the video game. No, and that's, he actually loses. That's awesome because we've talked about that extensively, how some movies have done a really good job of teasing something at the beginning and then you kind of forget about it, but then they reveal it at the end and it's not like this. 
I mean, it's a really cool reveal, not like a, what just happened? I don't remember. And, and then your buddy goes, oh, I think they showed that at the beginning of the movie. You know, that kind of thing, like Green Lantern, you know, the way they did their thing. But like, you know, when you talk about Joss Whedon's, you know, Age of Ultron, you know, they hinted a couple things in the beginning and, and then they paid it off big time at the end. So that's... Yeah, Thor's hammer is one of the best payoffs ever. The best. So, you know, that that's tough to do. So you got to do you can't be too subtle. Otherwise, when it happens at the end, you go like, huh, like, I don't understand. How did he do that maneuver or whatever? So if you think about it, that's that's a pretty good um, that's a pretty good uh, callback. I guess they call that. So, yeah, I have a few Easter eggs in here, but like maybe three or four. Well, yeah, and and you know, again, you know, we've talked about that too. Like Easter eggs are things that are fun. They're they're not plot points, <laughs> you know. So, um, it, yeah. you know, if you put an Easter egg in there about Last Starfighter, you put you know things that people that have seen the, the previous movie go like, oh crap, oh that's so cool. He paid homage. You know, it's not Easter egg is not a plot point, Zack Snyder. It's not a plot point. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, this is a very like. Again, it's it's an enjoyable it's a, it's a cute movie. You could show your kids. Um, I definitely think it's it's ripe for a remake right now. In fact, weren't you the one that telling me the other day that they tried? They they've been Spielberg, trying. Spielberg Spielberg tried to remake this. Oh my gosh! If Spielberg can't remake it, who the heck? Who can? Is, it's who, not going to be who, us. <laughs> who does it? Yeah. <laughs> who does the who does the rights belong to right now? Of the last, it's Star the original. Writer? It's the, the original writer, and I heard. I tried. I tried figuring out before we decided to move forward with this. Like, is there an actual remake going on? Because that would be really shitty if we did this, and like the remake comes out in like November. Um, but, <laughs> but apparently, and it's something it completely to, different. It, yeah, it went back to the original writer, um, and he's trying to launch it as a TV series, and I think he's going to call it like the Starfighters or something like that, where it's not the last Starfighter, Starfighter Chronicles or Starfighters or something. I don't like know, that. but. I mean, I'd like I, to get this out there just like because I'm not a writer. We're both of us aren't writers. I mean, you're more yeah. of a writer than I am. I, I write like maybe like I wrote music and stuff like that, but that's different. Like 15 pages of something like this is, is a lot for me. And it, it, it jumps between like screenplay and novel and prose. Yeah, like, it's kind of like fan fiction. It's totally fan fiction. But um, you could you know, if you wanted to, you can go in there and, and, and then put in all the details and more dialogue and, and stuff. And yeah, we're just going to find a way pages, to, but, but we should find um, a way to put both of ours out there. Just yeah. Of the episode. Oh, for sure. Um, and you could, you could actually do a combination of the two. I mean, you could do all sorts of things with it, but I, I, I really hope, I really hope they do remake this. I mean, there's not a lot of things out there where I'm like, Oh, this needs to be remade. You know, some people are like, Oh, I want to re we should remake back to the future. And I'm like, how can you do that? Like you can't, they tried it with ghostbusters. I, I, I think box office wise, it was a failure. I did think it was, the movie was, was good, but the original one is just so much better, you know? And so I think there is, there is something to be said about doing remakes or doing a continuation. So the last starfighter though, I think because it's so kind of obscure at this point and it's been a really long time and none of those actors, I mean, half of them are dead and <laughs> the other half like are unknowns. And it's just like, they could remake this thing completely from I mean, top somebody, to bottom. Somebody like when you're, when you, whoever the big heads are in like Hollywood studios, you should really look at a movie before you say, okay, we should remake that. Like even though clash of the Titans sucked to the remake, 
that was right for a remake. Like it made sense when I heard that they're going to do Clash of the Titans remake. I was like, oh, cool. I did too. It just made it way too freaking serious. I mean, just I don't know what the deal is with that. You know that that just, movie. But the story wasn't good though. Like here, here's the thing about the Last Starfighter. No. Like there's there's certain things in here that you can get enjoyment out of. You can get like a fish out of water. You know, a boy a boy who doesn't have anything, or a guy who doesn't have anything to really going on in his life, all of a sudden you know, becomes like the savior of the universe. Like for me, I had this guy's father dying, um, him, him taking care of his family. And all of a sudden he's asked to save the universe basically, you know, like, so it's, it's all these, like, it's, it's old stories, you know, like, yeah. I mean, he's just Luke know, Skywalker, Luke done. Skywalker. Right, exactly. Yeah. Luke Skywalker lost his aunt and uncle. And then he went off with old Ben. I mean, this guy, Alex goes and, you know, in your version, you know, but if you're a studio head, he goes, don't, he goes with don't Greg. look in a movie. Don't look like don't look at a movie like Back to the Future and be like or or you know even Ghostbusters even though I really liked the remake um don't look at it and be like we should remake this because it's really popular. That's a really awful way of looking at Yeah, movie yeah, you should remake movies that are really popular. I mean Back to the Future is considered one of the most flawless movies and and Ghostbusters as well. So you don't remake those. I mean, you maybe yeah, a continuation you can, or you an can upgrade. You can upgrade the technology. But like, for, if you watch the last Starfighter, there is a big, there's an '80s cheese fest going on in it. But there's like an underlying thing, and I don't know if it's because I'm nostalgic to the movie. But there's a there's a better story there. And, yeah, I, and I agree. I, we probably didn't capture it in in our fan fiction or whatever the hell you want to call what we did. But I feel like there's a better story there. Like when I look at Back to the Future, there's not a better story there. Um, yeah. Ghostbusters, there wasn't really a better story. Yeah, you could have like improved on a few things that they didn't do in the original that they kind of did in the uh, in the remake but was it necessary no because ghostbusters is just this like iconic i mean it's it's difficult enough to remake a movie but when you remake an iconic movie like that you have nothing yeah. to gain but but failure like in that yeah, sense ab- absolutely absolutely and when you have way too many people that love it for what it is it's hard to you know do a do a remake like that I mean, I mean Ben Hur, bunch of movies. I mean Ben Hur had Kirk Douglas in it, and like I, I mean I've maybe seen it once, and it's not on my top ten list ever of all time films, but it's I know it's a classic. Like, why would you remake that? Like, what? Like, if somebody said to me like I'm gonna re- we're gonna remake Sound of Music, I'd slap him across the face. Like, you yeah. don't go and remake those movies. They are doing. Uh, I know Disney's doing Mary Poppins, but it's a, it's a continuation uh, with Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. So. Uh, Disney remakes look pretty good. I mean, they just released some photos online of the of the new Beauty and the Beast movie. It, it's probably oh the only remake gosh. or live action remake that that they've come out with that I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. If, the other if ones. Favreau are okay. does if Favreau does like the Lion King remake, I'm fucking there. Oh my gosh, I never thought of them remaking that. I know they're trying to do Aladdin and a bunch of others. Little Mermaid was just announced that they are doing that. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting because it'll be all underwater and stuff. But yeah, um, they are remaking. Uh, was it you that told me they're remaking Splash? That that one's. I mean, that that's right for a. Re- I mean, you could do a remake on that too. They're um, reversing that, the roles in that. I think Channing Tatum is playing the mermaid. Oh, so they've reversed the roles. Um, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I, that's okay. I mean, I kind of reverse the roles in, in my fan fiction there, but um, okay. Yeah, but but see those standalone movies that that were good back then. But I mean, you can improve upon them or whatever. I think that's okay. But 
again, I think you're right. Studios kind of get overzealous. They're like, oh, that thing worked 30 years ago. Let's do it again. And let's put this guy in there and this do this thing. And they make it like they spend too much time. Like they're so serious about it, but it ends up becoming something that is not what the other one was. Yeah, the and, perfect um, example would have been Total Recall because if you watch the if you watch those back to back, right, and if you didn't think of like the name itself, the story in Colin Farrell's Total Recall makes so much more sense. It than does the Arnold Schwarzenegger version so much more sense. It does. But I like the Schwarzenegger version better. Yeah. Well, because it's Schwarzenegger and there's one liners and there's like that crazy things going on and, and, and mostly the one liners and all that stuff. But yeah, they, they made the second one way too serious, but they made it make the story made a lot more sense. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hit and miss there. I don't know, but, but uh, anyway, anyway, this is our first attempt at making a movie. Yes, chew on this remakes uh, Starfighter, the last Starfighter. I'm sure. I mean, this was kind of fun, so we'd like to do that again at some point if something kind of catches our eye. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that would that's right for the remaking. We should we should do a thing on that. That'd be a lot of fun. And you guys are welcome to comment, you know, on uh, on our YouTube, oh, please, on our Instagram, on our Twitter, or let us know how we can get our. 15 page treatment for this movie out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you guys have a suggestion of like, Hey, you know, you guys should remake this, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it into consideration and then we'll, we'll sit down. Maybe we'll, we'll write our little fan fiction for it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, that was a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's, uh, episode 42 of chew on this and nerds United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Until next time, folks, chew on that. Later.